it's really important, I think, that we understand each other because uh, we have so many years of just protecting ourselves from each other instead of working as a team. And now we're, everything here is going to be about early trade partner involvement, um, get the GC on board quickly. But it doesn't matter if they're at the table if they're not actually talking. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wine, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast presented by Applied Software Great Tech Group. You're invited to join our conversation to model the future of construction, innovation, and the digital transformation adventure of this great industry. This is a special episode that we recorded live from the Advancing Prefabrication 2023 show. It was awesome to be with the innovators and change makers throughout the prefab and modular world. There's a ton of energy and momentum in the movement. Enjoy hearing the insights and trends around productization, data, communication, and so much more. Now, on to the interview. We are live at Advancing Prefab 2023 here in Phoenix, and I'm joined by Jenny now. Jenny, why don't you tell a little bit uh, about you, kind of your background, and how you ended up here at Advancing Prefab. Yeah, it's a little interesting. I'm my role at the Bold Company is Design Integration Director. Uh, I am a licensed architect. People make fun of me because I lead with that, but uh, I happen to work for a construction company that provides prefab and modular Mm -hmm. solutions. Uh, We're a 135-year-old construction company, so this is kind of a newer thing Mm -hmm. for them, and I started just over two years ago. Um, I think I've uh, cut my teeth in breaking rules and talking to people down the value stream to make what I do more valuable to them. Mm. Uh, not realizing that's what I was doing, I, I just thought that made more sense, but yeah. also sticking with the chain of command, so not getting in trouble. So I'm a middle child. <laughs> I spent a lot okay. of my life breaking rules and not getting in trouble. That's like sort of just yeah. the, the skill that I've developed over time. So um, that's that's what brought me here, I think. Nice. Yeah. I, I'm a baby, so oh, you would not know my experience. I, I, I can at all. break the rules <laughs> and, and still not get in trouble. But <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm baby and only boy too, so I'm uh, not saying I'm we spoiled. We can talk later. But <laughs> yeah, no, we uh, have one of those too. Nice. So, how does a, a licensed architect? How has that kind of changed your your mindset? That's uh-huh. different in the modular construction world. There's yep. not a ton of licensed architects kind of around. How does that give you a different lens to look through? My role is actually um, being the thread that connects design with manufacturing and construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that our industry is broken. There are so many barriers between just design and construction. Mm-hmm. Throw fabrication in there and people just get really confused. And so even if people are all rowing in the same direction, we have so much um, baggage that we don't even realize we have anymore um, that prevents us from understanding what each other is saying at a very basic level and that you know at all levels of detail so um, my role has always been not so much the design architect but more the code compliance person Hmm. uh, interested in making sure that what we do is a slam dunk in terms of safety and quality uh, for the occupants and also for the owner and so I've also played a role Um, in my past as a program manager, which is really owner's rep. Mm -hmm. So playing all those different roles, I got to see the pain points for a lot of different um, aspects of the value stream. Mm -hmm. So being a licensed architect, I've been responsible for um, 
code compliance, really. That's what your, your stamp does to make sure that you have healthy spaces or at least code minimum healthy spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so that I'm really proud that you know I bring that in um, and that you know you just kind of have to take me a little more seriously because I spent all that time getting licensed. Um, but that I could speak to architects in a language that they understand, but I also speak the language of fabrication. Yeah. So how do others start to kind of bridge that gap between the on that language barrier between architect all the way down the, the value chain? You know what? It's being willing to admit when you don't know what the heck someone's saying. <laughs> I mean, that's really yeah. honestly what it is. It's, it's um, like, please define that term. You just, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. There's so many acronyms in what we do on a daily basis. Um, just the other day, someone said uh, EDI, and mm. I'm like looking up what that means and not paying attention to what he's actually saying because I don't know, I got stuck there. Yeah. I tell people I get stuck a lot of time. Um, I'm okay with putting myself in that space. Uh, other people don't want to look stupid. I spend a lot of time in my year, uh, in my 52 years on this earth, not wanting to look stupid, and now I don't care. <laughs> like, I think after you hit 50, you're just kind of like, F it, I just, I'm just gonna do uh, what makes sense for the greater good yeah. and not care for that moment in time when you know people are gonna be like, well, she doesn't know. Because I realized that if I don't know, probably a handful of other people also don't know, and right. I'm actually doing them a favor by raising my hand. On occasion, I'm the only one who didn't know, but it's okay. Yeah, well, and sometimes I, I find that people throw out terms that they, they're meaning one way, but in their exactly. context that they say, they, they actually meant it a different way, and when right. you get them to stop and kind of uh, put words to what they were just saying in, yeah. in greater detail, they're like, oh, I didn't mean that at all. It's the this editorial, actually. Yeah. Like, even if they, they know exactly what that term means, it might mean something different in that, in the, the new environment, or for, for a different person coming from a different um, part of the process mm -hmm. uh, for design or construction. So um, it's really important, I think, that we understand each other because uh, we have so many years of just protecting ourselves from each other instead of working as a team. And now we're, everything here is going to be about early trade partner involvement, um, get the GC on board quickly. But it doesn't matter if they're at the table if they're not actually talking. Yeah. So, so how do you start reducing the, the friction that's there in that, that communication yeah. side, but also just the, the interpersonal dynamics? Uh, it's it's tough. The, the pain is real. Um, I think that we need to sort of see each other baseline as human beings. Um, and that's really, you know, how I've overcome uh, difficulty in my career, not getting along with someone like, like, like a client. Mm -hmm. um, I got to forget about all the things that bother me about that person or their role or whatever, and just remember that they're human beings. And so we use humor. Mm -hmm. um, we break bread. Um, you know, we do these uh, icebreakers where you ask a silly question, mm -hmm. and then suddenly, oh, that's a person who saw Star Wars as their first movie mm. in the movie theater, or like, you know, drove a car with white hubcaps. You know, it's just, there's more ways to relate to each other than our roles that we play on the team. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you start with icebreakers too. I do that with my teams all the time. Of, yeah. Let's start with the most random question possible, because. It, it creates that that human to human connection, and you, sure. you create those uh, commonalities that you had no idea existed before. That's it's really disarming because we can say all day we want to create a psychologically safe space for people to share, or we want to leave titles at the door, but people don't actually know how to do that right. um, until you make a connection that's something that you know they weren't expecting. Right, and you 
the truth is you, you probably can't do that in the confinement of work with and what I mean by that you have to step outside of your kind of nine to five day job hat and and relate take the time to, to get to know the person behind the employee yeah. and, and as you said that, that human connection I think that's incredibly valuable. It's so hard uh, during COVID or during remote and hybrid mm -hmm. work uh, so we try to embrace in person as much as possible but when we're in a hybrid environment mm -hmm. really I mean what last uh, workshop that I facilitated for industrialized construction uh, for one of our project teams uh, realized that there were going to be maybe six or eight people um, virtually but the vast majority was in the room I said everybody open your computer put your face on the screen so that we can engage with everybody mm -hmm. you know and it, it's quite successful but if you don't stick to that rigor mm -hmm. then you're gonna lose people and then if there's their faces on the screen they're doing something else I'm guilty of it it's just too no. tempting I'm just gonna check this one email and all of a sudden you're just off on law and just put the, the, the cell phone right up underneath oh, yeah, the, just like, <laughs> I mean I've never done that me. in a meeting but I, oh, I've no, heard I'm, people I've do never. that <laughs> Uh, what do you think is the kind of the biggest trend happening right now this year for prefab? We're talking about uh, I think like last year was more productization, um, mm -hmm. and now we're moving beyond that to like program, and that's actually what mm -hmm. we're doing as a company as well, uh, both internally and externally. Externally, uh, why well, get to be the facilitator of discussions and sort of the. The word that comes to mind is babysitter, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> like, I shepherd and I, I nurture or whatever um, I see internally. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I get to take project teams and um, like just align on what we mean and so that we have a one bolt kind of approach. Mm -hmm. um, but externally, our serial builders um, and sort of our national clients are understanding the difficulty and pain of the buying experience of buildings. And that has happened for a while, but now that we have supply chain issues and labor mm -hmm. shortages, it's, it's already gone. You know, it's, we have these problems that are insurmountable. Now owners are finally seeing, okay, if I have 20 clinics that I need to build in rural areas, why don't I just build the same one over and over again? I'll put all my effort into making that one design really awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and we're doing it in a modular fashion, so we could do it where labor is um, plentiful or somewhat plentiful um, in a safe environment, you know, 70 degrees and sunny every day, um, and able to then just adapt it to each site location. And it could be in a rural area, it could be in a mountain, it could be in a city. Uh, but the owners are understanding that their program um, can make the difference. We, if we keep doing one-offs, we're not getting the, the benefit of uh, sort of cost, mm -hmm. um, you know, because you're going to have to design it over and over again. But once you take that sort of design out, like the car mm -hmm. um, in uh, Alex Janowski's uh, speech just now, um, we can finally sort of sort of start rinsing and repeating mm -hmm. and then give that value back to the client. Mm -hmm. So um, going from projects to either products or programs. Um, that's really the main theme this year. Mm -hmm. Calling all innovators. In just a few weeks, you can attend a free online training event that could change your work life. BIMUP is for innovative construction professionals like you, offering over 200 classes from May 23rd through the 25th that cover BIM best practices, Revit, AutoCAD, and lots of other topics that can help improve the way you work. I think you'll get a ton of value by attending. 
To sign up, simply go to asti.com slash BIMUP. Hope to see you there. Do you see that mindset shift picking up more steam on owners? Because it's, it's definitely a, a 180 switch from yeah. how the industry has worked historically. Yeah. Uh, well, we do a lot of healthcare, and I've done... Uh, healthcare with owners that, you know, and they're the serial builders, um, healthcare, higher education, and then pharma and that kind of thing. Um, data centers, they're all focus areas this year. Uh, and so with the Affordable Care Act, we're still, I mean, that was like, I don't know, 14 years ago. We're still catching up. It's crazy that it's yeah. been that long. <laughs> and the impacts of that are still, yeah. you know, the planning stages of like three, four years ago, they're happening now. So right. neighborhood clinics, and these are the trends because healthcare is also expensive, but when you take it out of the um, very expensive uh, medical center core mm. and put it out into the neighborhoods, how do you do that? So uh, we have a lot of also um, going to the digital marketplace. So we no longer are buying things in big box stores. So empty big box stores, needs for clinic in the neighborhoods, these are placed in places where you know people want to buy toys all the time. So uh, we're able to um, embrace uh, these health systems wanting to get out into the neighborhoods and have their stamp everywhere in their mm -hmm. regions or across the whole country. So mm -hmm. that's super exciting and it's growing into um, sort of higher risk occupancy buildings. So uh, first it was clinics and we're still doing that, but now like ambulatory surgery centers and things where um, you'd normally go down to the medical center for now the higher risk procedures are moving out into the mm -hmm. neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. How do you get over the uh, hurdle of, of people wanting everything to be totally unique and, and be very customized to, to their yeah. needs while still doing modular? They, so, they can live hand in hand for sure. Yeah. Most I know, people don't see the, that. That's a big myth <laughs> that uh, I don't care how fancy an architect firm you are, you're still designing to ADA standards in a bathroom. Mm -hmm. You know, gravity still works right. as gravity, <laughs> you know, like space is still space. And so we're not doing um, crazy bathrooms. In fact, like you can have 50 bathrooms on a project and probably two or three types could cover all of them. And uh. why do you need to redraw that every time? So we are actually drawing them as blocks, I think, but then we're like mod modifying that around columns and stuff. Mm. So we, we just have to take the next step and say, like, I don't need to draw this bathroom again, or I don't need to draw this patient room again. We want standards. And actually, owners want standards, mm -hmm. but uh, owners are the worst because they'll say, I want standards, and uh, but in this case, I want this. In this case, this right. doctor is very particular. And so it's they uh, them understanding their mission and the value add for standardization in a more rigorous way. Um, we're able to start doing that because they're like, well, we have standards, but why isn't it helping? Mm -hmm. You know, well, we're going to tell you. <laughs> like, we, you want to rinse and repeat, we're going to help you do that. If you're going to buy a toaster, I'm not going to chop off half the toaster to make it a one-slice <laughs> uh, toaster. Right. I, you, you get the whole toaster. So let's start with a toaster and build around it instead of, um, you know, trying to please everyone in ways that don't really matter. Mm -hmm. But you, then you still get to do different materials and colors and add-ons and, and this and that, but we could standardize those things as well. Mm -hmm. So how do you tap into the, the data evolution aspect that, that's happening in construction to, to really pull that into the informed design? Uh, we're doing some fun things, and th granted, they don't let me touch the Revit model, and I don't get really involved with BIM. I just sort of like take the Navisworks model and, and look around. Uh -huh. uh, but we are getting smarter about 
connecting the design team and this is architects um, directly to like carpenters and having them ask them questions, our carpenters and estimators um, on some of our projects so they can say, okay, what, how, what do you want from the model that I can set up now? Mm -hmm. Because slowly they're evolving as well in terms of knowing what they need to draw that adds value for the builder, the maker, and the estimator. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we are, I mean, what we've been doing is a single source of truth anyway, but sometimes it's still dumb lines. Mm -hmm. So getting away from dumb lines and being intentional about everything we draw, but also looking for ways to be efficient. Um, you know, we have to draw everything mm -hmm. uh, and we're doing modeling in, or detailing in the model, live detailing. Mm -hmm. That means you have to draw a lot. Right. Um, but that, that initial investment, um, everybody sort of agrees what level we're gonna go into and then we take a stab at it. And then we have that feedback loop quickly um, and that's why products are really amazing because we could do one feedback loop, improve on the product, and then really tighten it as it goes along. Mm -hmm. um, we can't do that with traditional projects. Yeah. So do you guys embrace the, the Scrum methodology a lot then? So it like? yeah, it's interesting. Um, we work with Felipe, um, engineer Manriquez, and he mm -hmm. is Scrum master galore for the U.S. and yeah. uh, big uh, deal with LCI, Lean Construction Institute. Um, so he internally will say, anybody wants to do Scrum, just like tap me, call me, like we'll get on teams and, and get going on it. But yeah. I was talking to him about my experience with healthcare and how I ran some projects and I had daily phasing and I had like real visual um, clues about what spaces were complete and not and um, transparency of work and um, all that kind of thing, and he's like, you're doing Scrum. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know, what's the Scrum thing? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then applying that to what we do now, it's super exciting. We, we use Trello. Shout out to Trello. <laughs> I, I have been using Trello since like 2016 yeah. um, because we, I had a startup with a software person from Silicon Valley. We had a startup architectural design firm, and they, they wanted to, our help in helping to develop their software. So we use the Trello board for you know, the scrum kind of thing. And yeah. it was, it was duh, it was amazing. Right. But like, duh, like it's so easy, yeah. you know? So, you know, we could apply it to many different things, um, but we're trying to introduce that more into our process. Um, a lot of what we do is visual anyway, uh, but that in particular has that tool. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, use it yeah. for problem solving and work planning. Very, Very cool. cool. So switching gears a bit on the sustainability side of construction, how does how's that factor in with modular? How would you uh, kind of position that? Well, so, and that's not my forte per se, but I know that uh, with one of our recent volumetric projects, it was a, a 24 module, 16 bed observation room expansion project. Mm -hmm. It's a building uh, that we fabricated in multiple facilities um, down a particular factory line, we were assembling pieces and parts. Um, and there's a metric that our client, um, Advocate Aura Health, has around recycling materials. And so we, I mean, we're meeting all the metrics and they were trying to like measure how much recycling we had done and we, we did almost none mm -hmm. because we didn't have waste to recycle. Mm -hmm. And so that metric didn't That's work cool. for us yeah. and that was like kind of... Oh, but cool. You know? <laughs> right. so, yeah, that's a good problem. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, when we uh, rely on our trade partners to do uh, pre-assembled, sub-assemblies, uh, they manage their waste and they can plan more efficiently around 
you know, what length of pipe needs to be, the, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not an expert with what they do, but um, so by the time it gets to us, I mean, it's all super efficient. Mm -hmm. And um, the other piece of it is, I mean, we, we focus on reducing waste in every way. And so we, then we kit materials together. So we have uh, the day's work materials at the station where it's mm -hmm. gonna be performed. And people don't have to wander around like hunting and pecking to find that thing that's missing. You know, we can't eliminate that completely, but it's greatly reduced. And mm -hmm. um, so the uh, efficiency of just movement um, is, you know, increased a yeah. lot. So. Yeah, absolutely. The, I, I loved the, the line Amy said in her, her keynote of the digital waste exponentially oh impacts gosh. the physical waste aspect of it. Yeah. And it's, it's totally true. If you're, if you're able to really clean up the data side of things and, and get uh, a smooth digital workflow, then it has huge real world impact on, on what actually happens on the It's the so job cool site. to, I mean, it's logical, but I, mean, I can't wait for some of the da uh, data to come in that sort of proves that out yeah. too. Um, and I'm going to be looking for that on their platforms for training internally for industrialized construction for our, our organization. Yeah, for sure. So switching gears kind of a, a one more time. Uh, how do we bring in new fresh blood into the industry or to come to great events like this? Uh, exciting that some of our partners are bringing more people from their companies and they, um, like KLH, they brought, I think, eight people this year and a lot of mm -hmm. them are younger. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a great investment. Uh, these things are not cheap to come to, right. uh, but so having that commitment across different organizations, uh, we brought 14 people this year and I think that uh, a third of them are sort of like the younger generation. Uh -huh. um, we got to start young, investing in um, their knowledge and education. But I also am very interested. I, I'm uh, one of the leaders in the Chicago LCI um, community of practice. And mm -hmm. what we're focusing on is actually in the trades. So as the old guard is retiring, yeah. we um, they're kind of saying like, well, this is the way that I've always done it. And you need to learn. And we're gonna we're losing this. Uh, way of thinking. I'm like, oh, we don't need that old guard way of thinking. I mean, I really respect people with like skills and who are experts in their trade, but we have to stop pointing fingers at each right. other and blaming each other and like taking the blame off like, ourselves. So, starting with apprentices, um, what one thing that we're trying to do is uh, to have programming available for apprentices on, on lean or um, industrialized construction that is part of their curriculum that they actually get credit for. Mm -hmm. And so before they go out into the field um, and sort of just relearn old things, they are sort of armed with new ways of thought. Say so like, hey, well, why do you do it that way? And maybe we could do it this way. And so mm -hmm. that that's one way that we can really reinvest in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think a, a big opportunity for us is taking the, the industry knowledge that those 30-year veteran plus have in the, the trades and, and bringing yeah. that into the software. But as the, the young generation is coming in and hopefully more and more, uh, they're bringing in that, that mindset of let's try new things and, and why can we not do this digitally or why yeah. can we not pull up our phone and going back to the expected experience of we do this in our personal lives of you know, Amy's example of the, the pizza. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why are we not doing this uh, in construction? Uh -huh. Yeah. So I think that there's some some good excitement and some good energy there. We just I, I think that it's interesting because some people come in and they don't realize 
how painful that's been for all of us and we feel like mm. we wear it as a badge so i mean at the 30-year veterans we really need to engage them as well sometimes mm. they're the ones who uh speak out the most against it at first and then just like no wait a second this could have been like this for me like let's change it now yeah and so uh it's really exciting uh just to open up those lines of communication but we have to give people the safety to actually say those things um without repercussion yeah have you heard of the concept of reverse mentoring yeah uh, i love that I'm a big time mentor, so um, in fact, we were talking, you know, when we're trying to do DEI um, yeah. programs with owners, uh, we talk a lot about um, mentor protege programs. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't actually like that hierarchy because I think that we have a lot to learn from the future of our workforce. Right. Um, so I don't, I'm not going to say we have this great thing to offer you that maybe you don't care about or not, doesn't work for you. Let, let's look, learn about. Our, our new uh, workforce who wants to do things in apps and mm -hmm. wants to do things more efficiently and maybe doesn't care about some of the things that we care about because we don't want to like recreate the dinosaur, make it better dinosaur. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like I think that's the way to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it, well, it goes back to opening up those communication lines and treating everybody as as human beings, how we how we started the conversation. It's harder there. said than done. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, or easier, sure. said, easier than said than done. Than yeah. done. yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because you're fighting human nature somewhat there but yeah we're still humans in the end so yeah absolutely. i'm not gonna overcome that but that's okay <laughs> that's a good thing slowly but surely we'll, we'll, we'll tip away make some progress but uh so what does innovation mean to you uh innovation means um taking things apart and putting them back together in a different way um having the courage to uh say something doesn't work mm -hmm. and being like ready to talk about how to fix it. I'm really not one to sit there and just complain. I don't have a lot of patience for that. Um, if you're gonna complain, you better be part of a solution mm -hmm. or just sort of keep it to yourself. <laughs> so um, yeah, innovation I think is the courage to actually do things uh, to improve on what doesn't work. Yeah, I like adding the courage aspect to it because there's so many people that have great ideas and then never do anything yeah. with them. Well, I so feel lucky that I get to focus on this every day, mm -hmm. all day, um, because uh, you know I had a choice at some point uh, to continue with the innovation of industrialized construction and prefab, or go back to delivering healthcare design as uh -huh. I know it. And I had this thousand-mile stare now that I'm like, I can't do that anymore. Yeah, we're just gonna keep moving. Yeah, I like it. How do people find out more on what you guys are doing at, at Bolt or connect with you? Uh, feel free to find me on LinkedIn. Um, I use that more for the professional connections. Um, we can go to our, our web website, bolt.com, B-O-L-D-E-T.com. Um, or they have, they have an app here for connecting and changing cards. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, like I welcome any conversation. Awesome. Well, final question for you. If I could give you all construction power, you could snap your fingers, innovate one thing in the industry, what would you pick to innovate? Oh, geez, that's a hard one. Um, that's why I save it for the end. <laughs> really get you thinking right at the end. You know what? I would, um, I would really change the face of uh, who our leadership is and uh, make it way more diverse and look a lot more like me or people like me mm -hmm. um, and sort of like take out the uh, barriers to that kind of growth. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that's a huge, huge... Uh, 
hole <laughs> in yeah. the, the construction industry of, of being able to bring in those diversity of thought and different perspectives and different experiences. Yeah, I mean, the, our backgrounds um, are so different. And I, I can't tell you how many times I've had my favorite conversations were when someone said something that I just didn't expect um, mm -hmm. because we just happened to be chatting about some problem that I was having or whatnot. Uh, the more we talk to the more people with more diverse backgrounds, just enriches us. Mm -hmm. And we just can't be afraid of that. I think that ultimately we're afraid. Mm -hmm. Like Fear is what keeps us back from... Um, growth mm -hmm. and so yeah if I had a superpower that that's what I would use it for yeah that's a good one <laughs> that's a good one well Jenny thanks so much for taking the time and yeah. joining the, the conversation on the podcast today I appreciate it Bridging the Gap is hosted directed and produced by Todd Wyant edited and produced by Eric Daniel Bridging the Gap is an applied software great tech group production copyright applied software great tech group 2023